You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. This week, we will continue part two of LGBTQIA plus and teenagers. Dr. Ken, what about the people who may be cross-dressed and so they're dressing up as the opposite sex, but they're not having sexual behaviors with the same sex. Ah, good, good that you even know to ask that because one of the quickest ways to look like uh, you don't know what you're talking about in front of teenagers is, for example, if, you're, if you tell your parent that my friend has come out as transgender, um, then uh, you, you ask, uh, does that mean that, you know, that he likes boys? or the other way around that he's gay and you go, oh, I guess he'll start wearing dresses. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about because the two groups, you're mixing them up. So someone who is gay does not wear opposite sex clothing and someone who is transgender does not necessarily have sexual interest in the uh, opposite sex. Caitlyn Jenner, for example, is a transgender woman who is uh, in a relationship with a woman. That makes her a lesbian, okay? She's a biological man who still is interested in women, always has. He used to be a straight man, but if he comes out as transgender woman, then he has to be seen as lesbian. Does, and, and those are two separate things. If, mm-hmm. if Caitlyn Jenner uh, were dating a man, she would be a straight or heterosexual transgender woman mm-hmm. i know it's now very complicated you can get confused yes you have to take it with such reverence um to decipher yes whether it's behavior or identity or exactly. a mixture of both so let's get to the root of our conversation here with parents of teenagers how does knowing this about identity uh change how parents should respond to their kids in these kind of conversations and these sort of situations that we find ourselves in every single day? Well, that's really kind of what we're getting to. So if you haven't, I'd recommend everyone go back and listen to part one. You have to slog through it because it, <laughs> you have to have your thinking cap on. Mm-hmm. But once we know that LGBTQ, when you're being asked about it or when it's talked about by teenagers, they are not talking to you about things that I want to do or behavior, they're talking about identity. That's the way that they see it. Then as any good uh, feeding the mouth parent knows, you have to first respond by avoiding a control battle. So your first answer about whether, obviously if it's your teenager, but even when they're talking about anybody else, that you have to acknowledge and remind them that, wow, that's something that I can't change. Uh, I That if that is a decision of who you are, then uh, that may be upsetting to me, but I need you to know that I I understand I can't make you change that. Mm -hmm. Now, that's scary to some parents, but again, if you understand that, then that means that's your first step to increasing your potential of impact. Mm -hmm. Because if, if there's just tons of kids I know who put virtually all their parents' feedback into the category of, ah, you're trying to change my mind, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So you have to acknowledge that. But then secondly, the response you take 
really kind of depends on who what your identity is as a parent. Like there's very likely some parents that are listening to this that um, kind of do follow the values of what we talked about as selfism. I mean, a lot of people have discovered more and more that what some people say is Christian means that I have a religion in which God reinforces my authentic me. And that's what it's all about. You'll hear it in uh, my marriage work. Someone will say, yeah, but, you know, God, I know divorce is sort of wrong, but God wants me to be happy. Right. I'm like, "Uh, that's not a verse. Uh, And Mm -hmm. secondly, uh, it does belie a kind of difficulty of, well, then what is it that we mean when we are Christians? Some of our listeners may even be offended by what we've said already. Uh, because, as we've said, the selfism kind of thing is is really a almost religiously held um, belief. But if not, if if you're a parent that's talking, that's listening, and and you have concerns about LGBTQ, then it's really a good opportunity to test yourself. So I'll tell you this: I don't know any good way to object to LGBTQ issues on any other grounds than religion, uh, and I've heard it done over and over again. Well. If you come out as gay, you'll be uh, given – they'll give you a hard time. Uh, you uh, won't be able to have children. Lots of essentially conservative family value arguments, and those fall completely deaf if you understand – they fall on deaf ears if you understand this is kind of part of a selfism religion. But mm-hmm. you really have to ground this in your faith, and of course – Islam, Judaism, Christianity, all of them believe that this is not something that the one true God allows. But then it, it really means that Christians must examine their religion. Is it something that I do or is it something that I am? And there's people in our churches that do Christianity as something that I do. It's, it's part of my good behavior. I'm a good American, and I feel just slightly better than others that don't go to church. And as you know, you know, the, the sort of final exam of the faith, Jesus said that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, you've done naughty things. No, he'll say, I never knew you. Knowing Jesus is actually the foundation of the Christian religion. Mm-hmm. So Christian identity is to be Christ's own. That's what we do in my church when we baptize children. We, we say you are marked as Christ's own. And that means that we spend our lives striving to empty ourselves of all of our self-chosen identities popular, I want to be pretty, I want to be smart. Over the Christian lifetime, those things have to be uh, let go of and to make sure that all of our identities do follow all under the one banner as a servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us haven't had a need to think about that, but if you think about it, then that means that uh, this gives us a chance to really examine our own identity as Christians. Do you, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, So for example, you know, We've talked about this this belief that if you selfism, I call it that if you look inside, then inside you is an authentic you that you need to discover that and then boldly be that. Well, as you know, Christians believe that when I honestly look inside myself, I do not find something pure and authentic. I mean, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. It's, it could not be a more opposite understanding. But again, we're moving away from whether you're talking about gay or transgender. We're talking about how do you know yourself? And submission to Christ is, in the Christian view, the path to freedom. Well, as you mm-hmm. may know, you know, submission, uh, servant, God forbid, slave of Jesus, language not too popular these days. Mm-hmm. But that really is the way we understand ourselves. 
So Christian identity must ask, is there evidence from Jesus that God has created and called some to be gay or transgender? Is that a thing that God has created or called us to be? Not, is it okay to do that? But is that something that, as a servant of God, that I must fulfill that? And just so you'll know, that was exactly what was argued. I heard a really good interview with a transgender woman. That's, again, someone born male who has transitioned to female. And she taught at a a Catholic university. And she said that during the time that she was uh, a male, that she, she said, as a man, I was being dishonest to myself. I was being dishonest to others and dishonest to God. So that's not an issue of transgender. That's an issue of what religion are we talking about? What God are you talking about that could make someone accidentally the wrong gender? Again, it's about what is the basis of our understanding. Of course, for Christians, that comes through the Bible, and we're not theologians, but I think uh, the what I have looked into, this newfound way of even for Christians to sometimes think about sexuality, uh, it has not come from a new archaeological discovery, some deep uh, theology that wasn't known for 2,000 years by ignorant Christians. That's not what's happened here. It's, it's a, a kind of sort of come to terms with uh, this newfound way of understanding ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that so it ends up being kind of good news that I think finding our response to the LGBTQ provides a unique opportunity for all Christians to examine our own identities. So you, you ha- we do have to boldly ask, am I a blank, a parent, a husband, a wife, uh, as Christ has called me to be? And that comes up for all of us, you know, that, that you mm-hmm. find Am I a citizen of this country as Christ has called me to be? Uh, That's a particularly hot thing now because there's a lot of people that cannot imagine. How can you say you're a Christian if you follow blank uh, political party? Well, Mm -hmm. that puts politics on the same level with our faith. And that can feel natural, but it's not. It is all under Jesus. So that leads then to the final thing. Christian parents need to be bold enough to tell the truth. Not that uh, being gay and transgender is wrong, but that we may be talking about a difference in our fundamental foundations, that Christian versus something else. And if you have a teenager who claims to be Christian, then you may have to deliver the bad news that I'm not sure that what you think is Christian and what I think is Christian is the same thing because of who we are. So then that leads to two obvious final things. Number one, you have to stop all unkindness uh, and, and discrimination based on something that someone has identified as sexual, their sexuality. There's no path for that. Parents sometimes worry that, well, if I let my teenager's gay friend come over, am I not, a, it doesn't mean I'm approving of being gay. Well, that's the language of power. That's mm-hmm. like a, a king having to decide, do I let this other king into my court and would that my, my approval if you recognize that with teenagers they're not looking for do you approve or not uh, it has everything to do with again as a christian you really need to love that person and let mm-hmm. me just mention i don't mean love in a kind of cold accepting formal way i think it gives us the freedom to really like that person mm-hmm. and, and you know many many people are changed about their what was previously prejudice view about gay because, wow, this person is so nice and so great. What did you think? That all of them are not like us? Mm-hmm. So it, it you have to be 
uh, not just accepting, but loving and mm-hmm. really stop any old uh, habits of, of being just ugly, uh, unkind, discriminatory. That all has to stop because servants of Christ don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I think what it means is when it comes up in your family, certainly with your kid, it's the time to really increase communication about your faith. This isn't fundamentally a discussion just about sexual behavior and so forth. Uh, it is about what do we understand is how we have a relationship to the one true God. And really you have to think about who cares if a teenager is gay compared to the likelihood that they are not Christ's own. It does not matter these other things until and unless you have yourself aligned under that one banner that is what we say as Christians, we are Christ's own, his servant, and all that we are and all that we do, we're striving to keep that under his banner. Mm. That's good, Dr. Ken. Dr. Ken, do you think it would be an overreach for Christian parents to ask their teenager to go see a psychologist along with them because they recognize the severity of the situation and they just want to handle it with care and they know that uh, they could possibly you know, uh, mess it up in their own regards if they think they can work it out with just themselves, with the parents and the the teenager. Yeah, I have done that road many times and I think it, I would say it depends. So if your teenager has come out as transgender or gay, Mm -hmm. I think the the, uh, most important thing is you might guess from feeding the mouth parents, is that you make sure your teenager knows that if that's what you have decided that you are, I wish I could make you undecide that, but I cannot. Right. Now, and again, that scared many parents in my office, but I hope if you know anything about feeding about the bites, you know that that's really a necessary first step to get anywhere. If you're going to get anywhere, you cannot uh, issue, uh, get into a control battle and numerous teenagers uh, come to the conclusion that I am gay, not all, but I'm gay or I'm transgender, almost as a uh, a way of pushing back that you cannot identify who I am, I will identify who I am. So you want to sidestep that control battle by acknowledging that whatever I say to you, I know I can't make you change your mind. And the, and so if, if the going to the counselor, the Christian psychologist, which I've had some come to me, is under that category, uh, I'm gonna make you go because you're sick and there's something, you know, whatever. As you can imagine, you're just getting into a big control battle. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it, it, it doesn't make it useless, but if it's gonna be a big control battle, I would really uh, be careful about what you hope to get out of that. But secondly, mm-hmm. once you've sidestepped that control battle and mm-hmm. possibly even gotten them to at least be honest about possibly confusion about it, then yeah, I think it's a good thing if you can get there without a control battle to bring them to a, uh, a therapist that they can trust to talk through themselves. Uh, and, um, and you should know the kids that I've had that come to see me, their parents are outraged because she came out as transgender or he is gay. I start right out uh, by talking to that kid about, um, so we all know that if, you know, if that's who you are, uh, I'm not here to try to change that. And I'm not, I mean, cause again, right. you can't, but, uh, and, and by the way, we've gone through how many years of different attempts of kind of fundamentally 
fundamental strong arm tactics that were supposed to change this. And boy, has that backfired. So instead, uh, um, I try to talk to the teenager about what they understand about this, because as I've told you very often, saying I'm gay doesn't necessarily mean what it used to mean. That are you saying that you've always had this same sex attraction? You'd be surprised. So a handful of quote gay teenagers, that's not what they meant by it or gender is even more so. So trying to get at some discussion of what is the inner experience you're having that you're calling this uh, can be very helpful uh, to kids. And then definitely if they have their own faith and you know, very often they just don't, this only re reflects that whatever they thought they were saying when they were baptized, it's not really who they are. Uh, and that's really more important than your sexual expression. Uh, if you don't know, if, if you do not know Jesus, then this whole thing is kind of not really as important. So um, that's a lot of words. <laughs> I think if you can avoid the control battle and, uh, and they would be even marginally interested in having someone talk to talk to that isn't their parents, then yeah, I would try to do that. But it, it, you want to be pretty careful with that. And my question was, just so that the parents could speak carefully and so that the relationship between the parents and the teenager weren't damaged through this that was more my stance not to quote unquote fix the teenager that just came out was just so that they could walk through it um carefully well you can and and that you could do that with a good therapist uh, with or without your teenager so, you know, if they, if you can get them to come with you with that goal, then good for you. But I if you can't. I think this would cause a lot of strife for families. And then oh, really, absolutely. Really, you know, like tear, tear apart those relationships between, you know, the teenager and the parents. Especially if you're fearful. And this mm -hmm. one, I got to give it to you. Everyone's going to be fearful. But, you know, if you have a teenager that's come out as gay and you start right out with, well, then your friends can't come over because who knows what you're going to be doing up there. You're going to tear apart the whole thing. That, yeah. that, that's not necessarily what your teenagers, is, she or he is not telling you, here's some stuff I'm planning on doing. It is almost mm -hmm. always, can you accept who I am? And that's where your delicate balance is that, yeah, I think having a good counselor to either talk with you and your kid but even if your teenager won't come because of a control battle, usually you go anyway, because you're right. It, it is a, it's a blows up foundations if you're not careful. I think we also need to acknowledge at this point that a lot of times the issues that our teenagers are struggling with, we are seeing how they are affecting us too. You know, my child said that they are gay or they're lesbian. They've come out. Well, that's also going to lead me to start thinking about, oh, well, I never have ch grandchildren. I was hoping for grandchildren. How will my life yes. be different? There's some loss there and some grieving that we're also doing individually on top of the dealing with our kids questioning of their identity and who they are. Yes, but you know, it, it's, it's exactly right. And all of those things get back to, uh, and can kind of remind us of what is our identity. That, you know, we are striving to be Christ's only and even put all of our parenting expectations under that identity. And that's mm -hmm. a good example. But what about grandchildren? Should the Lord provide? That's great. But if not, that's great too. We would hope that we think that's, that that's 
uh, that that's would be our answer. But you find in your heart, perhaps much more than you thought that no, 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 no. I don't care whether God was going to give me that or not. I deserve that, whatever. And then you find an idolatry that you're hanging on to. Mm-hmm. So it does, it affects us. And I think can, can be a very good thing in sort of stripping away uh, other identities that actually are not in line with what God has for us. Thank you, Dr. Ken and Ashley for joining me today on this conversation. It has been eye-opening and I hope that our listeners are hearing things that cause them to think a little bit. I hope they've pulled over to the side of the road and had a little time of reflection. And I hope that this is a great opener for us with our kids. I know they're questioning all that's going on in our world today, and they're questioning things that are going on with their friends and in their own heart. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.